we covered on the show this wasn't like an offline conversation about my uh like drm'd trash can right or the one that takes proprietary like k-cup bags we sure did yeah so did you and this is gonna be hyper local so i don't think anybody will care but has your uh marin county recycling changed where it's now separate for plastics and aluminum and paper that's the way it's always been since we've moved into the house here Mm, so that just changed for us. So now I need to find like a simple human trash can pro max that has three, three <laughs> compartments. Cause right now I don't know what to do because normally like the bulk of my recycling is uh crushed spindrift cans um, and the occasional bottle of uh, sparkling wine. But um, yeah, I don't know what to do with all the paper I recycle. I don't want to get a third. I don't, I don't want to get another trash can. And also, I don't want to be lazy because, as as you know, China does not want to buy our recycling anymore. So if I just throw paper in it, that that's basically just not recycling because they're just going to basically say that's contaminated recycling and it's going to go to the landfill, which seems counterproductive. So I it, – it's okay if I make a confession here. You just burn your trash? <laughs> right. I I try to follow – their sorting guidance some weeks are more successful than others i'll say and give me an example part of well so and and part of what what's a little confusing too is if you actually watch them empty the bin into the truck it's all going into the same place i don't think it is it 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 100 percent is yes at least here it's not because we uh, it's it's separate for recycling, separate for landfill, and separate for compost. Well, that's it, it's a, we have three cans. Yeah, it's it's a trash can. Well, it's we have a recycling four cans now. Oh, so the recycling is two separate cans. That's what I'm saying. So yeah, so now that's the thing where you have you have your trash slash landfill, and then you have two types of recycling: paper based recycling, and then aluminum and commingled plastics, and then compost. I see. So the way it works here is our recycling is one bin, but it's broken into two sections. The sorting between the two sections is, is supposed to be the same. So it's paper and then it's, you know, like plastics and glass. But, huh. it, you know, when they when the truck comes and lifts the can and empties it in, into the back of the truck, it, it's all just going into the same place. So I I'm a little confused. There's probably some deep fusion going on or some type of like neural engine in the garage or in the, in the garbage truck that's sorting it out. I also had kind of a weird experience with some Ikea packaging. I'm not really pointing the finger at Ikea. I think this probably could have happened with any sort of packaging. But there was a plastic wrapping on some of the components inside. Mm-hmm. And my first thought was that it was just trash. but all over this wrapping, there was the little recycling logo. So I thought, huh, okay. And so I put it all in the recycling. And then on trash day, the, I guess the recycling truck had taken all of it out of the recycling and put it into the trash can. Yeah, that sounds, because it's tricky because do you, you, you shop on it. You shop on Amazon. No, of course. I never, never, never heard of it. Never heard of them. <laughs> Barely knew the guy. <laughs> um, uh, I have actually been confused about it because uh, Amazon is changing up their packaging a little bit. They're they're shipping a lot more stuff in those. Well, this month it's gold, but normally it's kind of like a white and blue, blue, yeah, uh, like uh, 
padded mailer. Right. Where those, I actually didn't know it is recyclable plastic, but I don't know why it like it seemed odd to me that it actually was plastic. So it's it's recyclable, but you are supposed to remove all the paper labels from it. Well, now I'm going to sound like a nut. Uh, I do that just because I don't want sure, to address yeah. on it. Uh, oh, yeah. well, no, I, I understand that, too. But it, it says on next to the little recycling logo, something along the lines of recycle after discarding paper label or something. So I, I think maybe that's a bigger thing where just like pay a paper because that's like I was listening to a Planet Money and they're talking about contaminated recycling where unwashed uh, plastic jugs and stuff. And paper like that, that just kind of when when a country or when like an entity is buying like uh, recycling by the ton, if it's contaminated, it's basically worthless because the margins have been stretched so much because China doesn't want our trash anymore. Right. The trade war. Mm-hmm. They're easy to win, I heard. Are there tariffs on the trash now? Ah, oh, there's tariffs. on. Yeah. I'm really interested to see what happens in December with uh, RE uh iphones and stuff that people actually that people will so blatantly see because as of now it's been um stuff that's mainly like inputs on assembled goods and things where it's just not retail stuff that you buy and knowing that apple will never take a hit on their margins uh that if that ever actually comes to pass would um, one million percent just be passed on to customers Mm -hmm. and then i would wonder if tim is is as uh much of a, a pal with uh uh, 45 mm-hmm. um there was one other thing actually this is this is vaguely related um do you you go to trader joe's of course you do we, we have many tj's related picks. Never, never heard of them either uh what, what's your policy on bagging uh meaning do do i bring my own well of course you bring your own you have your daily the daily tote bag i wish i'm not i'm not, I'm not made of money yeah um do you assist in bagging or do you just stand there and expect it to happen oh i i assist with bagging thank you yeah i have what about at target um well like it, it sort of i guess it just sort of like depends um usually if i'm buying a lot of stuff in particular i'll assist and if you know if there's if the store is busy and there's a line, I'll, I'm also more likely to assist. But if if it's just a couple of things and the store is relatively slow and it's it's very evident that the cashier is going to you know like if they're kind of doing it as they're ringing things up, then you know I just kind of let that go. Hmm. Uh, a, a tangent to my own tangent. Do you ever use self checkout at Target? Yes. Interesting. I don't know why I have, I have this mental barrier where even though I am somebody that absolutely loves self-checkout because I dislike small talk at, at the register, especially at Safeway, because I, I, at Trader Joe's, you feel much more camaraderie uh, whenever, and I know it's, it's in their job to be like, oh yeah, you, these are pretty great, right? Like they're, they're, they're supposed to, um, advocate for the purchases that you made and, and, and be excited about your, uh, reduced guilt pita chips. But, um, yeah, I, I I don't like that at Safeway, so I, I use self checkout a whole bunch. But at Target, I don't know. I, I feel like it's it's inappropriate. I don't feel like that's the type of store where where self checkout works. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Too, I've too, never... too much varying stuff. Huh. Yeah, I've never thought of it. And their their self checkouts pretty good. Yeah. 
Oh, so with the Trader Joe's thing. Yeah, so uh, people who don't help bag, I, I don't get it. And, and at Trader Joe's specifically, I always get mad or I, I just get frustrated when somebody's just standing there on their phone just expecting it to happen. I don't know. Yeah, someone who's able and who is just, yeah, choosing to do something like be on their phone, that, yeah, that's upsetting. Yeah. Well, that's a good show. Yeah. Any other yeah. bees in your bonnet? Any, anything else you need, you need to t- talk through here? Uh, I actually do still have more, but I'm going to save those for a slow. <laughs> well, actually, hold on. <laughs> this was actually something that you brought up and that I, 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 I tungled in the, in the private channel. You. What did, did I do? Was, was this a DM and on Instagram? Um, that is kind of one of the problems is we communicate in three or four different ways. <laughs> I, think, I think it's down to two. It's it's mostly Slack now, yeah. And then Instagram DMs because text messaging. That's only if it's like I, this needs to get there now. If it's if it's like an in person thing. Yeah. Okay. So you 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 sent me a um an Instagram ad of Coffee Mate. Oh yeah. So the, I I think what you're trying to highlight was that they're advocate or that they're advertising advocating for, um that they're lobbying for peppermint and Christmas based flavors in September. Yeah. Yeah, so first get your thoughts on that, but also I want to then talk a greater deal about um boring ads on Twitter versus Instagram. I'm not breaking any news with this observation and it's not anything that's new to this year. I've seen it in previous years, but there's just something that catches me off guard when I see Christmas stuff in early September. And lots of stores are guilty of it. Like Home Depot puts out their artificial trees, Costco starts to put out some things. It's but it's like the second the calendar hits September first, this stuff um starts to happen like in, in retail stores, which is just it's just it's it's it always catches me off guard even though it shouldn't. But I don't know, for some reason this ad was different because I don't recall ever seeing holiday advertising this early. And I guess I don't I guess it's I don't know if it's really any different than like the the retail stuff that I've seen in years past but there was I don't know there was something just a little um different about that. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I th- it's probably because you're mostly off uh linear TV. Maybe. Where I think if you if like cuz me like I still occasionally I like I don't watch like MSNBC anymore cuz I just get sad. But like, if you if you're watching like Bloomberg or CNBC, like you get exposed to what is um, the traditional advertising cycle. Where I think if you're somebody who's mostly just like HBO Go slash Now or Netflix, you're maybe less exposed to that. So when it creeps onto the internet, you think, oh, look at all this wacky stuff, and they made Chips Ahoy and new weird flavors again, or like stuff like that. But the other weird thing, which is tangentially related to this, because it's also coffee related. I mean, this also happens every year, like the retail thing does. But for, for whatever reason, this year it just stood out to me. PSL a, season, yeah, at both Starbucks and Pete's, it was like September first. Boom! Here's all the pumpkin spice stuff, and that was that was strange. And the I, the other thing about it is, um, you know, every year there's like some type of new variation of some pumpkin atrocity, and I don't know. Maybe the reason it stood out this year was because one of the things that Starbucks has done is they've tainted, you know, what I usually get there, which is cold brew. They have this like 
pumpkin foam something something cold brew. It's a, the lady friend sent this to me like the day they announced it, and it it was very upsetting. I appreciate that she's also getting in the habit of sending you just pictures of of weird objects that probably don't make <laughs> sense to others. Um, so does to make it do they just brew it in an empty pumpkin? <laughs> They yeah they hollow out a pumpkin mm-hmm. and then yeah you you put the coffee in there and you you let it steep overnight and there you go no I, I think that almost would be would be better in some ways <laughs> because I think what this actually is is regular cold brew and then they they already have this um, I think it's like their vanilla sweet cream cold brew which is their cold brew that's got this sort of basically like whipped cream on yeah, top it's like the starbucks cloud foam which somehow makes a sugar-free beverage 26 grams of sugar richer yeah but it, even like the like the pete's fog stuff i think that's a little less sugary this is just literally just like cool whip that's a little bit of like a thinner texture but i guess they've done this and they've injected it with the uh, pumpkin spice or psl as you would say flavoring <sighs> And it it's um it's upsetting for a couple of reasons. Again, one because it's I feel like they're just kind of messing with my drink. But I think even more so, what's upsetting is I I sort of feel obligated, which you know I'm not excited to do. But I feel like I feel like an an obligation to give it a shot. The pumpkin cold brew. Sorry, which one? You cut out for a sec. Oh, it's because I accidentally hit mute. Um, oh. <laughs> How um, does that happen? I uh, I think I hit like space bar or something in my um I don't know. That's um, fine. Clean up the post. Yeah. Yeah, I, I um I feel I feel obligated to try it is what I was saying. But again, the pumpkin one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah I I still can't go to Pete's again just because the 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 Pete's near me is is a, a franchise um bootleg Pete's. Mmm. Yeah, my the, the one that's near me is great now because they've fully embraced the mobile ordering thing, which works really well. It's particularly handy at that spot because it's it's one of their their busier locations, at least that I've been to. So I I, I like my local Pete's. I are I know you're probably not really either, but are you a a Pete's or a Starbucks guy? I am a mostly neither. Um, yeah, right. But if you, but if if if, if they're the, you're their only two choices, what do you go to? Option one, equator. Option two, fills. Option three, just caffeine pills, and then Starbucks, and then Pete's. I don't really like Pete's. I don't know why. Oh, I'm see, I'm the other way around. I don't really care for Starbucks, and I think Pete's is okay. Starbucks is, isn't great, especially like just like their their basic roast and also their basic their basic in the like basic term not basic in the the pejorative slang way um yeah it's, it's just it's like super bitter tasting and not very good but also maybe again maybe my exposure is just to the wrong pete's um because i've weaned myself off of like the frappuccino ish stuff or whatever uh, what is what does pete's call frappuccinos like their iced coffee sugar bombs like what are those called and i assume it's not iced coffee sugar bomb <laughs> although there's my there's a, band name yeah. there's a case that it should be um, and I'm I'm kind of quickly trying to find this in real time for f- frozen and coffee free beverages. So if I see all, <laughs> that's very clinical. I like um, it. Oh, that's right. It has this weird name, Javiva. 
<laughs> no, pass, pass, hard pass. Uh, that's the new Star Wars character. <laughs> Jemima. Um, God, chocolate and caramel swirl Jemima. Hold on, hold on. How much sugar is in a 16 ounce? I swear to God, we've probably done this before. View, view products. So four, so in a whole milk, large. So this is, this is a, this is a small, actually where I, I can change the, let me change it to me. Yeah. So a medium. 101 grams of sugar. If you do a large with regular milk, it's 101 grams of sugar. Jesus. And that's why we don't do that. So that's, and that's why I'm going to double down uh, on a pick from like uh, two months ago. Those, uh, that Koya uh, plant-based protein drinks. I'm super, super into their cold brew one and only four grams of sugar. Yeah, I need to, um, I need to try that still. Yeah, Molly Stones has the most flavors if you uh, don't ever make it out to Berkeley, in which case Berkeley Bowl has the most. But yeah, you got, you, sh- you should try it. Uh, before all this, what were we talking about? Uh, re- recycling? <laughs> no, no, it was before, oh, pumpkin spice. Yeah. Um, and then before that, it was uh, lame ads on Twitter. So Instagram ads, like, they seem to really have my number, and that's probably because, like, all, like, just Facebook's uh, ad hooks are just everywhere on the internet, even though I'm always logged out of Facebook and haven't used it in, I think, almost a year. Can I, yeah, can I ask you about that really quick? Yeah. So I've noticed that more lately as well but i i you that like just it seems like just yeah facebook's just got its hooks into me mm-hmm. but i i have like an ad blocker turned on in chrome but does that not does that not prevent facebook from doing its cookie thing no also because what they can do is browser and ip face uh, based fingerprinting where they can know that your traffic generally comes from specific ip addresses and they know, hey, this is a person who has, because um, the user, uh, user agent string on Chrome will say, hey, this person is running, as we talked about, I forget, maybe offline, uh, is running Mojave, and they're running Chrome 67.3, they have flash blocks, they have this stuff. So then you're able to get fingerprinted around the web. So that generally will work around any ad blocker for uh, targeting purposes. Hmm. Yeah, sketchy as hell. Um so yeah, like so, but the Instagram ads are way like generally way more relevant, um, and generally I don't like the ad load on Instagram has gotten a little obnoxious, but for the most part, the ads I'm getting like it like, and that's the part that's annoying. Like as I'm researching different cars, like it will change based on the brand I've been looking up. Even if I use incognito windows and try to block that kind of stuff, it still knows that hey, this person just looked at X car. Yeah, but the, the the counterpoint to this is that Twitter, because I'm a dummy who I don't have impulse control, so therefore I don't have a Twitter client installed on any of my mobile devices, and I use the browser when I'm on Ugh. the... Again, again, I spend 10 minutes or less on Twitter versus... You probably spend in total about a year. Or a year. <laughs> a year a day, geez. Um, <clears throat> probably an hour a day on Twitter in terms of all like just passive scrolling. You think that's fair? I yeah, I think that's maybe prime. even a little more. Yeah, yeah. So like, I'm I'm down to five or ten minutes, so I think that's fine. But uh, the web version is definitely not ad free, and what bums me out is like it has advertising, and that's that's fine. But it's always for the most mundane shit. Like it's it's like about like like Chips Ahoy and and like Kashi cereal. Like I, I at least Instagram's I, I, like advertising cool stuff to me. But like on Twitter, I'll get ads for scrubbing bubbles, like bathroom <laughs> cleaner. And I'm like, 
this is not relevant to me. Like, how do you not try to sell me interesting things? Do you, so I don't know. Do you not clean your bathroom? I, I am very conscientious. You've, you've been to my apartment. I'm very, I'm a very tidy person. And I, I think my household cleaners, uh, my CPG situation is, is completely, uh, on lock as young people say. So if you don't use scrubbing bubbles, what do you use? And I use the, uh, the, uh, what's it called? The, the foaming CLR stuff. And then, uh, mm. the Lysol disinfectant thing. Got it. Yeah. I generally only, I, I, I switch my brands as Target, uh, stops carrying the stuff I like because I'm too lazy <laughs> to go anywhere but Target. Uh, all right. So that, oh, we were talking about, do you bag your own groceries? Okay. So we've delayed long enough. Um, you know, let's try to keep this at least this segment short because I'm kind of super over the Apple stuff. But uh, last uh, two, two days ago, uh, we're recording this on Thursday, the 12th of September. Um, the Apple event, Apple yes. September iPhone event happened and uh, they've pivoted to becoming a, ba- a gaming company. <laughs> Games and TV. <laughs> yes. Services. So many game demos. Yeah, so I, so we, you and I both did not watch the event live. We had kind of a busy day um, on Tuesday. Did you rewatch it in its entirety, or were you liberal with the um, fast forwarding? So I, I took your advice. Your Slack was very timely because I saw it right before I was going to start watching it, and so I, I took your advice and skipped through all of the game demos most of the product videos um and the ipad section and that you know that cut the event down to i don't know 45 50 minutes so that that worked pretty well sorry i just had to kill a spider (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i hope he's dead um yeah, I, th- I think that was a fair strategy because um, I will ask: Did you um, did you sit through the CPU architecture thing? I did have that on, but I was kind of doing something else at the time that was on. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting, but for for a very, very, very consumer facing event, it was a little dry. But I, I mean, I, I found it interesting. But um, yeah, it, it's that's not something that's gonna that's gonna keep eyeballs. Um, it, w- it was it was also a little strange because they actually talked about the CPU twice because they first brought it up with the iPhone 11, but then they kind of took a deeper dive into it, which I think is the section you're referring to during the iPhone 11 Pro stuff. So I, initially I thought if maybe I had just zoned out for a second and this was like the same segment, but then I realized it was a different person talking, so... Uh, so no, they they brought it up twice, which was kind of odd. Yeah. So real quick, I'll just outline kind of the the structure of the event, and we'll just blow through a couple of the quick topics. I'll complain about the green iPhone for a bit, and then we will talk about <sighs> other things. I mean, that's really ugly. We we bury no. the lead, and it's really all we need to talk about. Is no, let's make people wait. I want I want green, them to green green high end iPhone. Just shut it all down. We've we've reached peak iPhone. You're gonna mess this up. People aren't gonna listen to the ads now. <laughs> Uh, so, so, uh, overall, like they, they, uh, Tim said he was foregoing all his usual updates, except he's a, he's a bait and switcher, uh, just like their trade in promos. Um, Ooh. he, they, they shoved that at the end. <laughs> I'm, s- we actually, let me write that down. Cause I'm, I, I need to be so mad about all that stuff. Uh, all right. 
Um, and Apple Cash. Okay. So the the orderly event went uh, games. So they had uh, Apple Arcade, which they revealed to be four ninety nine. We'll talk about the pricing in a sec. Um, it's going to launch with a hundred ish games. They had three separate game demos uh, before moving on. Then they had Apple TV Plus, which also got a price and had a trailer for a show that I understand the two sentence premise of, but also didn't really understand how it's more than like a miniseries. We we should we should come back to that briefly. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then it was uh, iPad, new low end iPad, iPhone 11, iPhone 11 Pro. Is it iPhone Pro or iPhone 11 Pro? Like, what is the Apple sanctioned blessed uh, branding? It is iPhone 11 and iPhone 11 Pro. So I I actually missed this as part of the 10s marketing, but Apple doesn't always use the um, Max moniker with the bigger phone. They will often just refer to the iPhone 10s, and it sort of just encompasses both screen sizes. And they did that a lot during the presentation where when they were referring to the iPhone 11 Pro, they were referring to both screen sizes. Yeah, I mean, they do that on the website, but I think it's kind... Yeah, I don't want to give them too much credit for that just because it's it's a really silly name. And oh, if I'm, you go... I'm, not, I'm not giving them credit. I'm actually... I actually bring that up as a way of even saying that it makes the, the um, max part of it even stranger because they don't even use it all the time yeah i cannot wow it, it, we'll, uh, okay we should get apple tv and apple arcade out of the way but if you go to apple.com slash iphone uh, top billing next to iphone 11 pro iphone 11 iphone 10r i have apple card up here like it's an actual product oh, such a thirsty company okay and then uh we got an update on oh, then there was apple watch stuff okay so let, let's tackle the services stuff we'll just go through that real fast and then talk about the iphones i'll, I'll get mad then you'll hang up and this this will be a quick show so apple arcade five dollars a month for the entire family uh basically all the subscription stuff that they talked about was um by default a family or shareable subscription uh thoughts on apple arcade game demos excluded We've mentioned this before, how Apple Arcade of all the Apple services that they've announced in the last six months seems like the most polished, the one that sort of just conceptually makes the most sense in terms of being sort of within one of Apple's core competencies. And the the rumors around pricing, which ended up being true, always sounded exactly right, $4.99 a month. So I think all around Apple Arcade seems like a pretty compelling service. Like I maybe not so much for me. I'm not somebody who really plays a lot of games or really any games on my phone, but if I did, I can totally see this being a a pretty cool service. Yeah, um I made the mistake of listening to both Upgrade and ATP before recording this episode. So I basically, I, I hope a lot of this isn't rehashed um, opinions. But uh, Syracuse made a really good point of just like it, of having, and I think um, uh, Snell as well, where basically it's really nice for a parent to be able to just give $5 a month and basically have a good solid body or, or like library of games that their kids can uh, play without 
knowing that they're going to have sketchy ads and be bugged for like $20 uh, loot boxes and whatever all the free-to-play nonsense is. So this seems like the most worthwhile of all the um, Apple services. Yeah, I agree. Um, And the game demos uh, also on ATP, Syracuse makes a disappoint that Apple like almost never has successful game demos. And, and, And it makes sense why, sort of. But also it kind of goes back to the whole Apple doesn't really know fun or how to sell fun because they have different priorities where they're trying to talk up either the service they're talking about or the um, the power of the device versus the actual funness of a game, mm-hmm. which seems fair. Apple TV Plus, also $5 a month. Yeah, so I feel like I came out of the event quite a bit more bullish on Apple TV Plus than you did, which is maybe what we'll get into here. I I still have a lot of questions around the service itself and just to be blunt how, you know, how good it's going to be. But I do think that their rollout strategy and pricing is pretty solid. It's it's exactly what it should be, which I guess is kind of a low bar to set. We're congratulating Apple for doing the thing that they just should have done. And we're surprised that they didn't egregiously overcharge for this thing. But so, yeah, well, five, that's, that's their de- default over the past three decades. So it's yeah. not a odd uh, prediction. Right. Uh, if yeah, So five bucks a month. And if you buy a, an iPhone, an Apple TV, or an iPad, or a Mac, I guess, you get one year of Apple TV Plus for free. And that's the part of the strategy I think is really smart, because from what we know, what's launching on November 1st, even five bucks a month seems kind of steep. And there's no way they could charge any less than that. So to have it basically be free for the first year and presumably a year from now, or I guess a year from November, they would have maybe enough content to justify that $5 a month price. And, you know, the content that they have people um, like, at least that would be what I think what Apple's hoping for. I, I think that's a, that's a pretty good strategy. Um, I think that's, I think it's mostly true. I just... I'm really, I'm still insanely negative on on the entire project because right, the whole drive for this is to generate more revenue in the long term, right? Yes. And hopefully make more, like generally most businesses want to uh, take in more than they spend, right? I think that's usually the goal, unless you're Uber. Unless you're Trump. Okay. Wait, sorry. <laughs> what, what, did we make the same joke or did you do a different one? I said Uber. Oh, that's you. <laughs> Uh, peas in a pod mm-hmm. um but yeah so th- the thing is and yeah i'm gonna ask you an accounting question in a sec uh Uh-oh. but <laughs> yeah yeah uh what's a debit what's a credit <laughs> um uh but but this doesn't make sense to me because one so it seems criminally underpriced but like disney plus probably screwed apple way more than they had expected because even though, uh, like, again, the snow roll of, like, double the price of what you think it should be plus 25% or whatever it is, like, Apple generally does price things way too high. And and we won't even get to the fact that, like, I assume everybody who's on the Apple News paid subscription has probably canceled by now because, like, that seems like a, a product that isn't really going anywhere. 
Apple TV Plus, like they they had to real price it really low because one compared to all their competitors, there's almost no content on there. Like it still is probably going to output at best the same amount of content as HBO uh, does in a, in a single year, but doesn't have the back catalog of stuff. So they can't get away with charging $15 a month for it. So sure, five sounds like a good price, but you have to also think that there's no way that Apple is going to keep it at that price if it's it to any degree successful. It, like it won't be, but like they want to have that end up being a $13 a month thing. And then I, I'm super negative on the include a year if you buy a device. Like, I know everybody is like, oh, this is a relief or this is so much better or nobody would have bought it without it. But like, is that good? Like, I, I think that's giving something away for free that most people wouldn't have bought anyway. I, I don't understand how that is commendable business strategy. Like, I know that you need to use like that's a whole halo effect thing. Like you need to use your uh, your more popular products and services to try to introduce people to the new thing like that totally makes sense that's how we ended up in pumpkin spice hell but like giving it away for a year doesn't make sense to me because one does it auto renew like basically if you forget that this was included do you does your itunes account credit card just start getting billed five dollars a month yes <laughs> of course it does so they're, they're that's not a that's not a great business practice or that that's not a good strategy of hoping that everybody's happy about this watches jennifer aniston for two episodes of a show and then in a year they'll be like what the fuck is this like that's not great business and and the part that bugs me is that apple always tries to act like it's above everybody else or it does business more cleanly or that they are more pure in whatever they do and i don't know kind of hoping that people forget that something's going to auto bill after 12 months doesn't seem great so like I don't know like it doesn't seem it doesn't speak to me that it's confidence in the product or that there's a really um strong market need if you f if if the relief of the public is that well this is something I didn't really want anyway but if it's there for free for a year I guess I might watch a couple shows like that doesn't strike me as good So I don't know and and also with that that doesn't Apple is spending so much money to try to become an entertainment company or at least have an entertainment wing of being a gigantic corporation. So that doesn't really speak to the whole, this is adding to the bottom line thing. Cause again, and we've, we've talked at length and we won't, we won't re rehash it, but like, what does success actually look like here? Like they want this to be a, a profitable enterprise and getting top talent in the entertainment business right now is very, very, very expensive. So if you're not charging what you want for it, like I, Apple, I don't think gets to play the long game like Disney does because Disney, like, sure, they're using these founder circle deals and the $7 a month thing to lure people in. And eventually they're going to uh, boil the frog and it's all going to be $17 a month in three years. But I, I just don't see this as being good business or, or that this ultimately gives Apple the ends that they want. So I'm absolutely no apple tv plus apologist and i even said at the top here and i've said plenty of times in the past i'm skeptical of a lot of things about apple tv plus but the way that i would look at this strategy here is not a lack of confidence in the product but just sort of an acknowledgement of the reality of what apple tv plus is and why it's different than most of its competitors so if you take Disney Plus as the kind of example, which I think you rightly brought up, you know, Disney, and, and I'm not 
you know, this isn't some original thought here, but Disney has arguably the richest back catalog of any media company. And so for them, there should be no fear or no hesitation to start charging people right away. And they've, you know, they've chosen to even be really aggressive. And and even though they're charging people, they're doing so at a, a pretty heavily reduced rate. I don't think they necessarily needed to do that, but they're being extremely aggressive. And that actually probably is the right play over the long run. But with Apple TV Plus not having any sort of back catalog, there's just no way they were going to be in a position to be able to charge people for this from day one. And it's not really realistic to, if you're not going to have a back catalog and basically all you're doing is original content, it's not really feasible to bank up enough original content where you're going to have enough on day one where you feel like you can start charging people just because, I mean, some of those shows are just going to become stale before they even get released. So there's going to have to be this sort of ramp up period. And I think that's what the one year of free service is. Um. And so I think, you know, your rhetorical question of like, what does success look like for Apple here? I think it's, you know, this first year, sort of like two things happen. One is people like the content that they've made available. And two, um, there's going to be enough content at the end of the year where people are going to want to continue to be a subscriber. And people who are sort of just first coming to Apple TV Plus are going to want to subscribe because they've heard, you know, other people say that the shows on there are good or whatever. So I think that's kind of um, that's kind of what they're after. And you know, it, um, is your accounting joke that you alluded to is that sort of like how Apple's going to account for this free trial? Well, it's it's not even it's not a joke. It's actually like I, I don't know because I th- like this. So it's an intangible, like or it's like a, it's a virtual item or an intangible goods. So therefore, like in it, but it does have market value. So like because if you're somebody who let's say sits most Apple stuff out this year and says I only want an Apple Watch, you only get this with an Apple TV, iPad, or Mac or iPhone purchase. So it has value because they're selling it to other people for five dollars a month. So for accounting reasons, don't you then have to account? for the value of what you're giving away like just kind of like when they gave away all those free bumpers they couldn't just say oh well we make them for 30 cents each so i I, like i i I don't know how that works do they then have to pay themselves basically and say well we assume the uh, total cost of goods or whatever is over the course of a year is is 12 dollars. so every every iphone sold we need to give 12 dollars to the services arm of this company um I, you're basically saying the right thing. I mean, ba- basically, the way that <laughs> the revenue accounting works is so if Apple sells a $1,000 iPhone, they and every other company that follows gap rules basically has to ask, all right, I'm selling this thing for $1,000. And like, what what are all of the kind of like products or services that are included with this thousand dollar purchase and like the the fancy accounting speak are performance obligations so you know said in a simpler way by selling this thousand dollar phone like what is apple obligated to do for the consumer 
and you sort of break those performance obligations apart, you assign values to them, and then that be that value then becomes the amount of revenue that you recognize on each of those um, components or obligations. So I, I assume what they'll do is they'll allocate some portion of this hypothetical $1,000 iPhone sale uh, to the free trial of Apple TV Plus, and that whatever value gets assigned there will be recognized as services revenue over the, the 12 months of providing that service. So then the the logical follow-up is, doesn't that kind of, and it, sketchily is the wrong word, but doesn't this kind of artificially and maybe unfairly goose uh, services revenue when this is a product most people wouldn't have bought? No, because Apple very clearly, as as they legally have to, discloses all of this in the footnotes of their financial statements. So there's so, no... So there's going to be a line item under services that says this is all free trial revenue? Like, I guess, like, is there a way to specify who's actually paying for Apple TV and how much of this is putting money from the left pocket to the right? Apple TV Plus revenue is not going to be large enough where Apple's going to be obligated to have to split those types of metrics out. And it, it'll it'll just be rolled into services revenue. It, it won't have to be separately broken out. But I'm well, saying that, that that's con- my point. Conceptually, they, they will have to disclose that they have, and they may not really even have to call out Apple TV Plus specifically, but they already disclose in their financials that they allocate a portion because they they already do this. They allocate a portion of their iPhone sales today to services revenue. Well, yeah, but what is the market value of five gigs worth of iCloud? That's like two pennies a phone. Like the, like the the, the like the, the the services that you get with an iPhone is very very little because you, like there's very little that you actually get for free. So in terms of like the actual market value of that stuff, it's it's very low. Where this is a service that like clearly has some specific price associated with it right yeah i mean it will i I mean the way that it will i'm guessing play out is if over the course of this first year apple's not out there publicly touting the number of paid subscribers to apple tv plus then i think people are going to make the probably correct assumption that (laughs) a good chunk of Apple TV Plus users are just on this one-year free trial. And, of course, when that year is up, um, or, well, it won't exactly be a year, How, however long Apple runs this promotion, a year from that end date, you know, if Apple sort of continues to be cagey about Apple TV Plus user counts, then, you know, we'll we'll know sort of what happened so there's there's not really going to be any there's no chicanery here this is all going to be fairly transparent maybe i mean like i i get okay to, to wrap it up but like i i think having to wait a year to maybe see how it's actually doing is kind of i don't know well but I, I think i think we'll find out before that again i think if even say I don't know, three to six months from now, if whatever earnings release happens during that time window, if Apple's not out there being super excited about their subscriber count on Apple TV Plus. Because like, remember what they did with Apple Music, where, I mean, they were always out there in interviews and in earnings results. They were always talking about how excited they were about Apple Music subscribers. So if we don't see something similar with Apple TV Plus, then it's going to be fairly painfully obvious that it's it's not doing that well 
yeah and it's and, it, it's, and it's and it's and it's i mean it's not i mean it, it i think it's crazy to think that over the next i don't know call it 12 to 18 months that there's going to be a significant number of people paying for apple tv plus like that that's just not that's not going to happen there's just not there's not a compelling enough set of content in that service to pay for it if you get it for free with a hardware purchase sure that that makes sense but there's just no scenario where people, especially in an environment like we're in now, where that kind of subs- subscription fatigue is starting to set in for a lot of people, there's just no way that any kind of meaningful number of people are going to pay the five bucks a month. Yeah. You're not wrong, but also the situation is wrong. Anyway, moving on. Uh, do you have anything else about it? Oh, you wanted to talk about uh, your boy Jason Momoa, <laughs> right? Yeah, Samoa. right. <laughs> so C, which we've been hearing a lot about, kind of like we've been hearing a lot about Apple's original content, because as Mike and Jason talk about an upgrade all the time, the only industry that's worse than leaking secrets than Apple is Hollywood, and. So we've been hearing a lot about you know Apple's original program, and that the thing that we've been hearing about C is it is, I think by some fair margin, the most expensive uh, TV series ever made, at least like on a cost per episode basis. And they, um, I think they included like some brief images or clips of it uh, when they did their services event, but at the iPhone event, they had their first like full trailer for it. And man, that show does not look very good. Like Jason pointed out, I mean it it looks very expensive and it um the I mean the production value seems very high. But man, the the concept, the acting it, it just it does not look like a it does not look like a very good show. And that's I think that's going to be I think that's going to be a problem for Apple like if that if that's sort of one of the early headlines of Apple TV is this is Apple TV plus sorry for the plus um, <laughs> if one of the early headlines is it's the platform that had arguably the biggest flop but how do you how do you know it's a flop because there's no viewer numbers like if it's critically panned, there's a lot of stuff that that is is commercially successful that's critically panned, and a lot of stuff that's great that doesn't get the audience it deserves. So like that's the thing. Where if it's a black box where you don't know revenue numbers of who's subscribing, who's not, and there's no way unless Apple volunteers that information, like how do people actually know? I guess yeah. I mean that that's a fair point. I don't think we'll, I don't think we'll see necessarily like hard viewership numbers, but if. If the if the general consensus out there, even like outside of critics, is that you know people just don't like this show, and I mean we've we've talked about this before, where I feel like the final season of Game of Thrones was sort of just like peak. This this being what I'm about to get into is like you you know you know what the general sentiment of what a TV show or movie is these days. Like, sure, there's, you know, the Rotten Tomato score, which is like a pretty good aggregation of critic reviews. But I also feel like just, you know, you spend 10 minutes on Twitter and you can get a pretty good sense of like how people are feeling about 
media. And so if everybody's out there just bagging on this show, like that's that's not going to be a, a good look for the service. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's kind of it's it's you know, I I actually do think that like the morning show and for all mankind um I think those actually look good. Um but if I'm Apple, I'd be I'd be a little worried about this this C show. Yeah, but <laughs> Okay, well, well we'll drop it. But you know before Apple gives up on this, it's going to be a money losing venture. Right? Like, I mean, you have you have to agree with that. This is not a profitable enterprise. No, I I think the the odds of Apple TV Plus being any sort of long term success, and it, it it as long as you don't define success as well, this leads people to buy more iPhones. Like if you actually just view it as almost like a standalone business, I think the odds of it becoming profitable slash successful are very very low. The odds of it making a cent are almost zero. Yeah. Um, and also, I don't think people are deciding whether to get a, a Galaxy Note 10, a Google Pixel 3, or an iPhone based off what TV shows it includes access to. I don't know. Like, that's the part where just, that feels like like weird AT&T shit. Like, where it's like, it, like it, it, what you can watch is based off of what the landline provider. Like, it's so weird. Well, but it's not even, it's actually not even locked to Apple devices. So they're going to have just a website that you can go to to access the service well yeah but in terms of well but that it requires paying for it yes right yeah uh when's samsung gonna start gonna start making tv <laughs> like content not television they, they already make tvs but yeah i we should we should come back to this so I, I don't want to talk about it now as we've got so much else to get to with the <laughs> mm-hmm. event but i i do think there's kind of an interesting topic in just like exploring why companies feel like they have to be in this media game they don't i know that's i but but clearly they feel like they need to be so i, I think it's, this, well it's it's because corp, this so write that down for a, a slow week yeah um but it's because once companies get to a certain size they feel like they have to do fucking everything it's why comcast feels that they need to do home security like you eventually well actually that's but that's actually a product that's decent but like eventually you get to a certain size where you just have to make other stuff where general electric makes wind turbines like they, they like every, everybody makes like once you get to a certain size you just have to right yeah uh well you don't have to focus companies don't but apple stopped being a focus company a bit ago uh ipads what, what was next in the order of operations so they yeah they did the ipad next i mean as i said i skipped over this part of the event so so briefly the so new ipad replaced like the the entry-level ipad from last year was great like i'm not somebody who enjoys ipads that much or like or i'm I'm, i don't like ipads for people who insist that they're computer replacements but for people who want to do the crossword and watch video and stuff like it's it's great and last year they introduced a 9.7 inch ipad that was very 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 well priced um, and this year they followed it up with a slightly larger screen, I think one generation newer processor, and it now has a smart connector so you can uh, buy the first party keyboard for it. So like, that's cool. The only thing that I think is like, is a clear like business observation from it is that this kind of makes it extremely weird of why the iPad air exists. 
which is what they renamed the old 10 and a half inch iPad Pro, the one without Face ID, because it's like $180 more expensive and it just it's slightly faster. That's pretty much it. It seems like that will maybe fall out of the lineup. But when? Like, like if there's an October event, like why wouldn't you have just discontinued it now? I don't know. Well, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it gets discontinued sort of as part of that. It's hard to hard to know. Um, yeah. Is this did the uh, base iPad support Apple Pencil before, or is that also a? It did. Okay, so that's that was part not, of their education event they did in Chicago, where they the whole thing was that it was all like the entire presentation was like sketched by hand. That was the oh, aesthetic. that's that's right, that's right. But it's but it only supports the first generation Apple Pencil. Yes. Right. And is, is that still the case with this new base iPad? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so that was it for iPad. Um, it's fine. The only other uh, tangentially related thing is that iPad OS is going to be slightly delayed. That's not coming out until um, I think when 13, I like that was the weird thing where, and I'm not sure I completely understand this, that they also said release dates for 13.1. Which I think the iPad OS will start at thirteen point one. So that's actually no. What was interesting is that they did not talk about dates. So I, I think this is like, or well, but it was live on the website immediately after. Maybe they didn't talk about it on stage, but it's it's definitely there, right? But they, I mean, it's a staple of every iPhone event where they always say, "Oh yeah," and you know, here's the release date, not just for iOS, but they usually say, you know, here's the release date for the next version of TVOS, of WatchOS, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But they were absolutely silent to all of that um but yeah you're right on the event or on the uh, website rather right after the event um ios 13 has a september 19th release date which is also the same date as watch os 6 but then ipad os which i guess is just basically part of 13.1 is not coming out until september 30th which is also the same day that 13.1 is going to come out yeah all right, so Apple Watch was up next. Yeah. So this was, so I, you know, I... You, you take lead on this. I think I rightfully... Um, <laughs> this uh, makes sense, it's going to be funny. <laughs> get on Apple's case about the whole doubling down on secrecy thing. Like, since Tim has made that statement, I feel like the leaks that we get now are both more... Um, they're, both, they're higher in volume and they're higher in quality. Like, it's very clear that leaks aren't just coming from the supply chain. A lot still do, but, like, the German scoops of the world. Like, that's stuff that's coming from Cupertino, like, without question. And it, it, it kind of, it wasn't until App Tim made that statement that it, it felt like we started getting those actual, like, Cupertino-based leaks. So, like, nothing nothing's ever a secret at these Apple events anymore. Um, but there, there was kind of a small exception where I feel like the Apple Watch Series 5 stuff with specifically with the always on display which is kind of like the the one big new feature with this thing that actually did not as far as i know leak out ahead of time so apple deserves a little bit of credit there yeah i th- i think the the fact that it's um uh entirely like if you were to look at the exact same aluminum or steel model powered off it looks exactly the same so therefore it's probably easier to keep some of that stuff under wraps um but yeah, that uh, I was not expecting new Apple Watches at all based off the rumors, and I was not expecting even if there were uh, refresh materials to buy one. But um, yeah, I I ordered a Series Five because I there's maybe twice a day 
where like a few, just a couple times a day uh, where you turn your wrist and it doesn't light up. And sure, you might have turned your wrist 150 times that day, but it's just it's ever so slightly annoying. And that's where having an always on display has been kind of the one missing feature of this product for the entire life of it. And I think that's I don't know, that that's that's worth it enough for me. Yeah, I think the always on display has been one of those things that since the very first Apple Watch, it was a feature that you sort of knew would would come eventually, but you really wished it was just on the on the watch from day one. Same with like cellular connectivity. And you know, Apple Apple finally got there. And I think it it seems like it's implemented really well. It's not just some, you know, half assed software solution. It's 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 sort of, you know, it's an all new screen and um the processor, which I also want to get to real quick here next, is it sort of seems specifically designed around it. So it seems like it's 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 very smartly done. Um yeah, my only complaint though is is about that processor that I just mentioned, which is I, I would have loved to see some form of a speed bump along with this that's that's been sort of a staple of every apple watch um and i really do feel like even more so than with the iphone the thing that i've noticed year over year with the apple watch is just how much faster each version feels so i'm a little bummed that we're not going to get a speed bump here um but you know i am i like you kind of instantly bought one so that wasn't enough to stop me from doing that yeah so pretty pretty neat um honestly like yeah that was the most exciting part of the presentation um yeah i I think they've hit on all the big things it has proper gps it now for the for the boy scouts out there listening on um their uh, campfire retreat uh on on an iphone uh yeah you have a compass there uh probably there's some app you can download to learn how to tie knots um yeah it's kind of feature complete now they they tackled the big things cellular gps and now always on display it's a pretty mature product mm-hmm. um so you got you got aluminum again i did so i did space gray aluminum with cellular and the new pine green sport band i feel like it's gonna be a thing this episode mm-hmm yeah, so I, I went uh, Space Black Steel again, and then um, Product Red Sport Band. Nice. Because the shipping times on the Meyer Lemon uh, leather loop were too long. But I really kind of want that. So I really hope there's a sketchy uh, <laughs> dropship knockoff on Amazon or uh, AliExpress sometime soon. I was sort of browsing the Apple Watch band site after the event because it's, it's always fun to like look at the new colors and stuff. And the um, Milanese, that's how you pronounce it, right? <laughs> or if, you, uh, if you're Federico, Milanese. Mm, yeah, well, I'm, I'm not as fancy um, or as Italian as Federico is. Um, Checks out. <laughs> <laughs> um, that used to be $150, right? Well, so that's the thing where the leather loop used to be 150 on its own, but it was only a $50 premium over the sports band if you buy it with the watch. So the, well, so the, the Milanese uh, band, which I um, have a absolutely just perfect knockoff of, which I think was a recommendation from you. Um, the, I, I'm pretty sure it was 150 at the time that I bought that knockoff, but it's, it's, it's now 100, which, you know, still still too much, but... <laughs> 
Can can you can you put a marker down for the first time we've ever noticed that Apple reduced the price of something? Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. Um no, you're right cuz I'm looking at just in case I wanted to buy that Meyer lemon uh loop standalone. Yeah, those always used to be 150 and it's only 99 now. There you go. Interesting. Mhm. Cool. Um and the only other thing so yeah, so I went steel again. Uh the tight the ceramic I think looks really nice, but I even like I can't justify that. Um yeah, I thought the um I kind of knew going into the event that the titanium would probably be cool. That was kind of the one thing that did leak out ahead of time about the new watch. And during the presentation, um, when they focused in on the look of the titanium watch, I, I thought that sounded and looked really, really nice. But um, I, you know, looked at it for about three seconds on Apple's page before I bought the watch that I ended up going with and saw that the titanium version starts at, I don't know. Uh, seven hundred dollars uh, yeah. yeah and i was like mm, no yeah i i i considered it but the thing the the hmm, this is gonna sound really weird um like the reason i like this the steel uh black one is because it has a little bit more heft to it so it feels fancier is the wrong word it just feels better and also with the space black the entire object just looks like one continuous thing because the like uh well, I guess maybe that won't be the case now that the screen's always on, but that the the a powered off display and the space black it just flows into itself really nicely, whereas you kind of don't get that with the titanium, and just sight unseen, it looks very much like the just the space gray aluminum. So at that point, like, what's the point? Yeah, that's true. Like, uh, not that you should hope that people notice that you have the more expensive one because nobody cares. But it like it just doesn't look substantially different from the aluminum because like everybody's like oh yeah it's a premium material that's more lightweight but aluminum's pretty damn light so I I don't necessarily see the benefit there right yeah I'm I'm with you that I think the space black stainless steel watch probably looks the nicest of all the watches but I've just never been able to justify the increase in price and I feel like if I think about because I I wear my Apple Watch pretty much you know all day, every day. And the percentage of times where I'm in a situation where an aluminum watch is perfectly fine far outweighs the times where I'd maybe want something that looked a little nicer. And even with the aluminum watch, if you put a knockoff uh, (laughs) steel link bracelet band on it, it it dresses up pretty nice. (laughs) Yeah. You probably don't when you're introducing yourself to people. You probably don't say this is a knockoff. <laughs> I I usually don't make it a point to say that. Yeah, it's like this commercials where they used to say, "Oh yeah, I got a TJ Maxx." Um, cool. So the to wrap up on the Apple Watch, the only one thing uh, related to the the very persistent rumor mill that kind of didn't pan out is there were, there were strong uh, or there were solid rumors about um, sleep tracking being a critical part of WatchOS six or maybe a new hardware feature on the watches and. Uh, that was absent. So, uh, so some real time follow up. To be fair, hmm. the the reporting that happened about a week before the event never said that it would be part of WatchOS six or the next Apple Watch, but rather it was something that Apple was working on and that would be in some future version of the watch. But it was never there was never anybody out there claiming that we were going to see it this week. Eh, well, then I could say Apple's always working on something. Well, that's, Apple probably that's, has. has... That's part of why that story was kind of dumb. 
<laughs> okay. Um, all right. So uh, let's hear about your green iPhone. Yes. Yes. Uh, so I'm just going to turn on the debate again. <laughs> uh, I think the iPhone part of the event went probably the most um, as expected compared to all the other. I think all the other parts of the event had some um, interesting um, new things that we weren't expecting, like the pricing with Apple TV Plus and the Apple Watch. Uh, but the the iPhone stuff was was pretty much just like the rumor said, with the one very very notable exception of the colors on the iPhone 11 Pro. We we knew there'd be a variety of colors with the iPhone 11 that they would be probably something similar to the iPhone 10R. Although quick tangent, I think the iPhone 10R colors are fantastic. You mean current gen or the 11? The the, the iPhone 10R, last okay. year's phone. I think um those those colors are really fun and they they look great. The iPhone 11 colors are are bad. They're basically just like Easter pastel shades and they're they're just they're just they're bad um but anyway that's not what's important because what's important is the iphone 11 pro which has um like you know all the all the high-end iphones have basically always only come out in some kind of combination of white black space gray and gold um and for whatever miraculously great reason apple decided to introduce one non-black white uh gray or gold color to the lineup this year and again for whatever reason they chose green which i am so excited about and not only is it green but it's a, it's a really really nice shade of green they call it midnight green um, and it's kind of exactly what you'd want it to be, where it seems like it's very, very subtle. It's not some like crazy neon green. It's not Kermit green. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I just, I, I could not believe when I saw this. It just, it seemed, it seemed too good to be true. Like, forget about the ultra wide angle camera lens and the A13 Bionic and all the other stuff that came out with the uh iPhone 11 and iPhone 11 Pro. It's all about the the midnight green uh color. Oh boy. Uh I I'm 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 glad you're happy. I don't think it looks that good. I don't think it looks bad because this was kind of previewed um like uh like super fans will know that the Powerbeats Pro uh, are come in four different colors, and one of them was called, I think it was called Moss Green, and it's a very, very, very similar shade to this. So it, I, when when I don't think so, Power Beats Pro Green. Uh, no, it's, I mean we'll have to kind of wait to see in person. But the photos I've seen that that looks like a more like almost like brownish green, right, and this is more right. of like a grayish green. Yeah, maybe you're you're a little right, but I I think that maybe is a um a suggestion of Apple's directions because you you know based on whoever's design like maybe influencing a year, they kind of have a theme where a lot of their stuff will be the same color or that they had, like the influence is shared. So I, I think that's maybe a precursor to it. 
Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it's fine. Like we'll, we'll talk more about the product specifically, but I think what I, what I will say about the color, cause I'm not trying to rag on your, on your uh, favored uh, shade, but I mean, you could say, say what you want. I've nothing, nothing can bring me down from <laughs> my just elation. <laughs> what if again, the president gave up his crappy Android phone and they gave him a, a, a green tip pro max wouldn't, wouldn't matter. <laughs> I think you wouldn't. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, I I don't I don't think it looks great. I think it looks fine. Um, I don't know what a uh, friend of the show Gruber keeps uh, mentioning Boba Fett. I don't know what that means. Like I know I know he's a character on the Star Wars, but is he known for being green? What's what what is that link? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, he yeah <laughs> he has yeah I, I guess that that shade of green. I I didn't make that connection, but but yeah, I, now that you say that, I I could see it, I guess. Yeah. So the the tennis uh, the the or sorry the the what what is this called the eleven pro, um like so normally I wouldn't care or I wouldn't actually be down on this color if there were other colors, but there aren't. So that like, I, so that's I'll, like yeah, I mean that that's that's what's that's what's I mean I'm again I you lucked out. But I'm very very glad this happened, but. It's it's really weird. It's all the regular colors, and then this kind of again, like it's not bad. I get how people, some people would argue this could be their jam, but like they, th- that's that's a weird one to say. Oh, we have the classics and muted green. Yeah. Um, like if they had like a like a muted blue, like kind of in the same kind of like foresty tone, like I I think that'd be cool. But it's weird that they're leaning so heavily onto this and basically every promotional marketing image is of this funky green phone right again super super happy it works for you um uh what's your ship date oh actually no you're trying to do in-store pickup well so oh well oh, sorry you need to go to bed so that you can wake up at 5 a.m oh that's that's also a thing there's kind of a so there's been a funny ordering process here so right after the event the Apple Watch was available for pre-order. So, I, you know, you and I, both, as we both talked about, we both did that. No issue. So then the, um, I, the other thing I was really curious about with the new iPhone was if Apple was going to do a clear case. Because with the, as you reminded me, the 10R was the only phone that they offered a clear case for last generation. And I think that was like their first official clear case that they offered. Um, but it didn't. It didn't even come out when the 10R came out. It was like some number of months later. Um, so I was really curious if they would do a clear case for all the new phones this time around, since kind of color seemed to be more of a um, point of emphasis this time. And sure enough, they did. Uh, so I and th- and those accessories were available to order right away. So I also ordered a uh, clear case which uh, ironically is now sitting here on the desk with me. So I have an iPhone 11 Pro Max case on my desk. Um, But the phone itself is uh, not available to order until tomorrow. And Apple has made the just awful decision to change the time of that from uh midnight pacific to <laughs> 5 a.m pacific which 
you got to be nice to the people on the one true time zone. Yeah. See, it's it's that type of mentality, uh, which is why they don't deserve to have. That is good... not my t- that is not my mentality. Just full disclosure. Right. Uh, again, everything. So many things in the world revolve around the East Coast time. This was this was one of the few things we had. Um. Yeah. So you're so since you do the iPhone upgrade program, which requires um, doesn't it require a store visit? Like you still can't get it shipped to you, right? No, you you can. So we've thanks for thanks for paying attention on the show. We we've we've talked about this. So the the first year ago, probably <laughs> the first year. So it was it was basically well it was, it was the second year of the iPhone upgrade program, but the first where you traded in your old phone, you did have to go into a store, and that was just. That was a debacle. But then the following year, they did what they should have always done, which is when they ship you your new phone, they also ship you a prepaid box to ship your old phone back to Apple. So no, the iPhone upgrade program is all just done through home delivery now. <sighs> got it. Okay, so you're gonna you've got some alarms uh, for four twenty, four forty, and four fifty eight. Right. Um, which I, you know, honestly. I probably wouldn't do that with the exception of the fact that I'm pretty sure that this green phone is going to be really popular just because, and it it also gets into kind of just, uh, it just seems so plainly obvious. It, It just seems crazy that Apple doesn't do it. Like people go wild for these new colors. So why Apple doesn't do more colors, especially in a, cycle where they're using basically the same hardware for a third year in a row it just it just seems absolutely crazy that they don't take advantage of that but anyway um i i I think the green one's probably going to be a little harder to get like i'm actually even expecting if i order right at like 501 for the green ship date to maybe be a little later than the other colors but that's fine yeah. Um, yeah. If anything, I, I think you're probably right. Not because necessarily because the green is aesthetically the one that most people want, but um, a lot of people. Well, actually, I guess the camera bump kind of signifies this, but people want it for especially for a third, like a, a third year S cycle. They people who are buying the new flashy thing really, really want it to be visible that you have the new thing, and the simplest way to do that is to signify it through a new color. But also the camera bump is actually very, very recognizable as being both hideous and a way to tell that it's different. <laughs> it is not an attractive camera bump. It's it's, it's like multi-layered now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so can you uh, can you take a tour with me on something real quick? Sure. Okay. Go to apple.com slash iPhone. All right. So I'm going to apple.com slash iPhone. All mm-hmm. right iPhone 11 Pro, Pro cameras, Pro display, Pro performance. Oh, we didn't actually discuss the fact that they, for some reason, uh, kneecapped a product that isn't even out yet. They're using the Pro Display XDR branding just because they couldn't really figure out how to tell people that, like, as Apple was trying really, really hard to make the case for why this is this is quote unquote Pro. Not sure they succeeded. Like, I mean, it's it's Pro in terms of price. That's literally it. One, well, it's 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 so iterative to previous generations of the phone that yeah the the pro moniker really did seem like a stretch and 
like the argument that they seem to really be focused on, which is, well, this is a pro level camera system. Like this is what pros can use. Like that also just seems weird because professionals are going to use standalone cameras. They're not going to use their phone camera. You'll remember from last year, they basically said, oh yeah, old cameras are dead because we have portrait mode. Mm. Literally was in their product demo. They showed some dude like with a, with a mustache from like the 1920s using a real camera because everything's about the iPhone. Uh, so we're going back to this page. So yeah, pro cameras, pro display, pro performance. Uh, what is the first upsetting thing on this page to you? Uh, the line right below what you just read, uh, which gets into pricing. And the way that they phrase this is from twenty four ninety five a month or five ninety nine. That's a great deal. In. That's an amazing deal. I, I, I didn't know Apple was like they, they saw Bernie Sanders is coming for him. They wanted to do something nice for for the for the proletariat, and they um they they yeah they dropped their prices by four hundred dollars. That's pretty cool of them. So fucking sketchy. Oh my god. I get that they did this for the ten R when they needed to to juice sales a little bit. I get it. Like and even I I always forget the tweet, and I can never figure out how to search likes on on Twitter. But somebody posted the thing like there was the evolution of Apple's homepage as they were getting more and more desperate uh, for 10R sales, and they just kept increasing the font size of it. Um, but yeah, for your flagship phone to kind of have the sketchy, fictitious $400 discount on it, man, that's that's pretty lame. So wait, hold on. How far do I have to scroll to figure out what that asterisk is? Oh, all the way down. So if you trade in at least an iPhone 8 Plus or an iPhone 10, those are the only phones that get you $400. Mm. Nice. Uh, and not the Walgreens nice. Nice in the, in the sarcastic sense. No, no exclamation mark. Mm-hmm. Um, so available on 920, V-pricing, blah, blah. So you keep scrolling. Also upsetting. They keep showing the phone in water, yet Apple still won't warranty the phone if it gets wet. Kind of weird. Um, you are right where the colors of the 11 aren't that good. Like other than, other than black and red, because um, I'm partial to the product red phone. But even the the Big Bird phone, like on the 10R, if that's your thing, like I, th- I think uh, some dude from the Clippers is always photographed with his yellow 10R. And it's a great color if that's your thing. But the pastel shades, like it's not Easter. Like, I don't know. These don't. Yeah. Year round, three of these colors are kind of ugly. Right. Um, oh, those are, that one's only three ninety nine with the trade in. Nice. Um, yeah. So, so in terms of the product lineup, uh, iPhone ten S uh, is out of the lineup. The iPhone seven has been discontinued. So, at the low end, for people who still like, there is still a Touch ID based phone hanging out, beginning at four forty nine. You can get the iPhone eight. iPhone ten R took a one hundred and fifty dollar price drop. That starts at five ninety nine in terms of being like a real price. The iPhone 11 took a $50 price drop compared to the 10R, and that starts at $699. And the iPhone 11 Pro starts at 1000 kind of at the same price point as the 10S. Um, so I have a couple of key features on the phones that I wanted to discuss, but what's what's what was big to you other than the colors? Like, what about the phone? Are you excited about, disappointed about? What's What do you think? I mean, it's hard for me to, to look past the the green color but (laughs) if you're forcing me to do that um (laughs) i think the the new photo stuff looks excellent 
And it's not even really just about having that third lens. It's about sort of the whole redesign of the camera app. Like the way the way that you can have it turned on where you have your regular lens kind of in the the little box that we've all come to know in the the um camera app but then you can have the ultra wide angle lens show you kind of in the um edges of the display what you could capture with that lens like that is so well implemented and then also being able to seamlessly transition between the lenses both for photos and for video seem really really nice um it's kind of a, it's a specific thing but i like with video now so last year they introduced the ability to shoot video with hdr um, but you could only do it in 4k at 30 frames a second but you're now going to be able to do that um have the hdr setting turned on even shooting 4k 60 so i think that's that's great um I, yeah i think the whole the whole camera system and the software around it seem really really nice yeah, yeah, I, th- I think a lot of that's true. Um, oh, quick point of order: how long have how for how long have you been able to take pictures while you're taking video? That's I've never noticed. That I believe is new this year as well because they they called that out during um, during the presentation. Or are they also and also you can um, if you're taking a photo, but you want to start actually maybe maybe this is actually maybe it was the reverse of what they demoed. They if you're taking a picture you can now instantly start shooting video by just holding down the shutter button. Then how do you do a burst shot? I, that was what I was wondering. I don't, I don't know. Like I've only ever taken burst shots on accident, but I wonder if, I wonder if maybe you have to decide, like, I wonder if it's a setting to say, Hey, when I hold down the shutter button, do burst mode or automatically flip into video. Yeah. Or maybe it's like a shake to undo situation. (laughs) Maybe. Um, yeah, I think the camera. I, I think the camera stuff is complicated, but I, I appreciate that Apple is trying to to match up with um, a lot of the computational photography that other companies uh, are doing, specifically Google. But in terms of like just like the before we get to that stuff, um, yeah, I think the interface for switching between the three lenses actually is actually very very nice, um, and I like the way. Um, I only saw this in a brief demo, but it looks like. Um, it's going to discourage people from doing digital zoom, like where it kind of heavily favors snapping to one of the three native focal lengths. I like that a lot. Um, also, um, apparently it's going to, for like some indeterminate amount of time, will actually engage all three of the lenses if you have the fanciest model and you can, uh, for a certain amount of time, go back and either zoom in with a different lens or zoom out if you just use like the normal uh 28 millimeter standard lens that's neat but overall like i mean yeah neat uh but like a lot of it just feels like it's it's playing catch up to google and a lot of the other folks and apple kind of tries to act like or to present the image that they everything that they've done is brand new and i know they would ever say well we're taking the lead from google or something like that but it feels a lot of it feels like catch up and that's great because that means that filters down like because you're like you and i are never people who would actually buy a galaxy s10 or a pixel or something but it's not new but it's new right uh camera bump pretty pretty ugly but i mean whatever gets the job done and again yeah it it helps uh show that it is an entirely different model um 
also what's what's your thoughts and i know this is one of the things you probably have to see in person but uh kind of the two different textures on the back like where the camera bump little like plateau thingy has a different texture than the rest of it yeah they didn't, i don't think they called this out during the event but jason was talking about it on upgrade with his time in the hands-on area i guess the uh back of the phones are now kind of a like a textured type of material i mean i'm gonna have mine in this this clear case so it's not really gonna matter but um i think i think anything that makes the phone maybe a little less slippery is a good thing although jason made the good point that the edges which is where you primarily hold the phone especially like the bigger phone it that's all still like the polished stainless steel which is the slippery part so yeah also going back to the case thing it seems like with with a triple camera bump like that's for most people like that's it's gonna have to be a cased phone right yeah i you know i was caseless for a long time um but kind of finally went with the case uh for the uh 10s max and it's it's it is kind of the way to go and it's nice to not have the phone rock on a table when it's flat exactly and you're typing on it and it just one i i I really do think there's a lot of value to having a case that gives the phone a little bit more texture too because especially if i'm wearing shorts or something if you have a caseless iphone i mean man that that thing slips out of your pocket really really easy um so having a case goes a long way to helping prevent against that yeah um tangentially related apple care is now a monthly subscription as well um even if you're not an upgrade uh, an iphone upgrade program member interesting um yeah i think that's mostly it man uh, oh that well this and this is the big thing that uh will determine whether or not i end up getting one uh what it, do you remember what the language was about face id so like it works from farther away and is allegedly 30 percent better or something yeah that that's exactly it so it works at more severe angles now and it's 30 percent faster so that has been my my key complaint and that's why i've stuck with an iphone 8 so i really really hope that's true um because i really yeah, i really need an upgrade so um yeah i think that's mostly about the iphones yeah i think that's 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 pretty much the event oh well no there's apple retail yeah uh what was i actually skipped a lot of this so they have the and i this applies to the web and i think it also applies to the store where um and they kind of trialed this last year but where uh your apple like as you're building your apple watch there's no longer any um pre-made bundles now you can just choose whatever band you want, which is actually pretty neat. Um, but that will also apply to the retail stores. Um, and there was also something else that was supposed to be novel about retail. And I forgot what it was. Um, I think that was it. Because they just, they just talked about that and then they talked about their Fifth Avenue store reopening. Oh, maybe that was it. Um. Yeah, I think with the with the watch and watch band thing, I, I I think last year nothing had changed. I think it was still you had to buy the pre-configured pairs. But what people noticed was that the actual packaging they came in were completely separate. So like the the band had its own box and the watch had its own box, and that that was different and new, and seemed like a step towards this, which is now just being able to buy 
watches and bands completely separate, which is just how it should be. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really impressed or, or oddly surprised that they've scaled back the pricing of most of their bands. The sport bands are still 50 bucks a piece, but th- I don't know. At $99, that kind of is in the territory where I would maybe not go for the, the bootleg one. Yeah, exactly. Because, um, I mean, the Apple bands are. I mean, they're they're nicer than any bootleg Oh, one. you bet. Um, they're really well made. The clasps tend to be better. Everything about them is, is really nice. Um, and I know I keep harping on this, but I feel like the the bands are sort of another just like perfect example of why it's so crazy that Apple doesn't do more with like iPhone colors and stuff because, and I, I put myself in this too. Like I, I love all the new bands that they do, even when it's just like new colors each season. I love that. It's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, even this beautiful, uh, Dublator, uh, Hermes print. <laughs> so hideous um yikes yeah i think that's it all right well i i need to wake up at like four fifty-five a.m so oh i hope you don't oversleep <laughs> uh and i do not have a chef special so that works out oh, okay well i i have i have one. Oh, okay um i think this is a good good week to to use this one um i think i mentioned this to you offline maybe i've mentioned it on the show um this is the belkin boost up which is in all caps of course wireless charging dock for iphone plus apple watch um so i had been using one of the um i think it was like one of the elevation docks or something where you know, you had the uh, a charger for the Apple Watch kind of at the bottom, and then your iPhone um, stuck into a lightning port kind of on top of where the the Apple Watch was, and that that was that was pretty nice. Uh, but there were just there were some things about it that that I didn't like. Um, if my Apple Watch was in a band that didn't. Um, become completely separated so like if it was in a link bracelet or something slipping it onto the base was kind of um difficult um and then also getting the phone to go into the lightning port sometimes was difficult you'd have to kind of slightly move the phone around to just get the fit exactly right well and this one's wireless charging right so therefore that part's at least obviated. Exactly. So this, you know, has the Apple Watch charger, which is next to where the iPhone goes. And then the iPhone um, is also uh, just wirelessly charged. And the, the key thing with this is, unlike a lot of these dual charging pads, the phone does not just sit flat on the, on the mat. Instead, it's propped up, and it's propped up at just sort of like the perfect angle for Face ID to still work and to be able to see the phone uh, when you're in bed. When I have this, you know, just as like a on my bedside table, um, and that that there's really not because um, this this thing is um, it's way too expensive. It's like one hundred and sixty dollars. Yeah, I um, I had a bunch of Amex points that I used to to get this that's that's the only way that I could justify picking this up um but I I I wasn't able to find 
any other wireless charging combo like this, at least from like a reputable brand where the phone was propped up and not just laying down. And that was a, that was a key thing for me. Uh, the one thing that that's actually pretty neat is that on the back, there is a high powered USB port as well, just in case you have that one off random thing you need to charge. Yeah, exactly. Cool. There's, there's that. And it's, um, it's a single charging cable that runs from this, uh, to the wall. So that, that's nice too. Yeah. Only bummers. I think Belkin, uh, uses those funky, um, proprietary plug things, right? Yeah. It almost looks like a, um, like a headphone jack type thing that the power yeah. goes into. Well, looks nice. The white one actually looks really cool. Yeah, I, I got I got the black one, but yeah, both both colors are nice. And it's you know as you would expect for one hundred and sixty dollars, um, is is very <laughs> you bought it <laughs> is very well made. You know, it's got it's got a good amount of weight to it, so it doesn't slide all you know it doesn't slide around or anything. Um, yeah, it, it's it's really nice. It's 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 it exactly. Um, exactly what i sort of wanted for for my bedside table mm-hmm. um and the other nice thing too is and i guess this would have been true for that uh, other dock that i had as well um but it's you know it's basically like iphone and apple watch agnostic so like you know really regardless of the size of the phone or like if next year's phone happens to go usb c um like it doesn't it doesn't matter because it's just a you know it's just a big chi charger yeah and it's also case, it's it's case agnostic as well it, it, and case agnostic too exactly um so that that's actually like one of the, the big things i like about it and i think one of the ways you can help justify the cost is like <laughs> presumably this thing should be fairly future proof mm-hmm. well cool um, actually, I did think of one, so I'm just gonna throw a grenade out there, and then uh, my pick of the week this week is uh, the Elizabeth Warren campaign. Bye. <laughs>